There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, it's a new week again on the podcast. We're certainly thankful for each of you tuning in and listening. Uh, thankful for those of you that contacted us in the last week that uh, wanted to set up the podcast where they could download and listen. We certainly appreciate that. Pray it's a help. Pray it's a blessing. We are here in Linden, Vermont. The meeting started yesterday. Good services in the house of God. We certainly are thankful for the folks here. And I know that uh, some of you listening to Linden has a dear spot for you. And we certainly appreciate uh, your prayers. I appreciate all of you praying. And uh, we are going to labor here through Friday, Lord willing, uh, 7.30 each night. That would be here at the church at the Bethel Anabaptist Tabernacle here in Linden. And then also then on Sunday, Lord willing, we'd be heading to Rhode Island and preaching down in Warwick, Rhode Island before we head home and just a couple of days home and then head to Western New York. So that's just kind of keeping up with the McVeighs. But I'm saying that to ask you to pray for us. Uh, we certainly need prayer and God's trying to uh, break through in some things this week. And we need to overcome those things with prayer. Everything's going to work is prayer. And this guy can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And so we're just asking the Lord to do great and mighty things in these services. And there's a lot of folks today that uh, have the Word of God. They hold the Word of God, but they just cannot trust the Word of God. I like what Brother Dale Morris preached on this podcast probably about a year ago. He said, you can't trust someone you don't believe in. And the, ultimately, the, those that have been converted recently around the ministry, near the ministry, they've testified. You've heard some on this podcast testify. They just did not believe God. And uh, when the end of your faith comes, Jesus Christ will be revealed. But a lot of folks have not reached the end of their faith. They believe what they have and what they think and what they believe is ultimately going to work for them. And they're falling short of the grace of God. And they need to believe what the Word of God says. And the problem is it condemns. The problem is it cuts us. Men will not come to the light because they love their evil deeds. They love darkness. They walk in darkness. And no matter how minuscule it seems, my friend, if you don't let go of that small thing, those little boxes that spoil the vine, you'll be damned forever. And yet God is trying to reveal that. And God is using this podcast to reveal some of those things. God uses preaching. That's why he it's pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that will believe. And God is using preaching. And so we see a, a generation today that carries the word of God. Uh, they carry the King James Bible, but yet they do not have faith. And uh, folks are confused by that. You know, why don't they just pray again? Why don't they just pray? You get a, a revival service and folks, uh, it seems, are, are worse off than when they came. Why? Because their rebellion is reared up in them. And it seems like they go further away from God rather than closer to God. Why? Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God because they are foolishness to him. And so he sits there in a revival service or she sits there in a revival service naturally, assuming that God's not going to do anything one more time because of the hardness of their heart, because of their unbelief. 
And they sit there challenging God. And God cannot break through a heart that's not willing. God cannot get through to someone that's not willing to hear and willing to listen. But if you find that good soft heart, that pliable heart, that heart that God can work with, God can do something with that. It's the hardness of people's hearts today. They've gotten harder and harder in religion. Religion has caused them to harden themselves. Uh, they've hardened themselves against standards and, and conduct and the way they live and practices. And they've hardened themselves against doctrine. They've hardened themselves against the way church is conducted. Why? Because they despise those things and the bitterness of their soul. They despise religion. They think it's a horrible thing. Yet they sit there and they're afraid to move, afraid to get out of daddy's house or mommy's house. So they're afraid to get away from what they've known. But they sit there secretly despising what's being done. And I believe that's what we're looking at in some of these scriptures here in Job 30. And that's why I made that announcement, because we're looking at these things in Job chapter 30. And we see a, a generation Jesus Christ spoke of and and yet he speaks of them as their children of fools, these base men. Verse 10, he said, they abhor me. They flee far from me and spare not to spit in my face. Again, Job is speaking in a parable. He's not speaking of himself. He's speaking of someone else. He's speaking, I believe here, of Jesus Christ. And we see that they, they, don't, they continue to spit in his face. They hate him. They despise him. Why do they despise him? Because he's everything they're not. He's holy. He's righteous. He's just. He has salvation, and they don't have salvation. And so they spit in the face of the Savior rather than bow the knee to him. Because he hath loosed my cord and afflicted me, they have also let loose the bridle before me. Upon my right hand rise the youth. They push away my feet, and they raise up against me the ways of their destruction." And so the youth are even coming now, and they're pushing against this. And by the way, this is a pattern. I realize we're looking at Calvary here. I realize we're looking at the cross. We're seeing Jesus Christ here. They spit upon him. That's one of the great keys in this passage. But also, can I say, even in the picture of the typology, the youth today are those despising God. The children raised in fundamental churches and and in Anabaptist churches and raised in churches that have claimed the King James Bible and held a King James Bible now hardening themselves to the things of God. I haven't always been able to put my finger on that. I've wrestled for years trying to figure out why I've watched an entire generation disappear from the house of God. We go in churches and We'll see a lot of older folks, and you ask, where are their children? Their children sometimes live within sight of the church and do not attend. And sometimes they bring their grandchildren, but they, their children don't, don't even go to church. Their children are raised in the house of God, raised in the King James Bible. Well, they despise God. They've turned against God. They're rising up against him. He said in verse 13, they mar my path. They set forward my calamity. They have no helper. They came upon me as a wide breaking in of waters and the desolation. They rolled themselves upon me. Again, when Christ is alone, when he's desolate, when he's there on the cross, they come and they say things to him. And they mock him and they scoff at him. And uh, they challenge him about his Godhead. They challenge him about if he be sin free, if he be the son of God. They're skeptics. And one of the great tragedies of today is I watch King James Bible churches and young people raising them and they're biblical skeptics. It's the what if. What if they ponder the skepticism of the Bible? I told a young man yesterday at the house of God, he was questioning some things, not wrongfully so, but I told him the one thing you have to be cautious of is you don't meditate upon your own thoughts. Don't meditate upon your own reasoning. Meditate upon the word of God. And that word will I meditate day and night. Why? Because our own thoughts will carry us away. We have a generation that's not reasonable about the things of God. They will not reason out scripture with scripture. They reason it out of a carnal mind and they reason out of their own logistical thinking practical thinking, but not out of faith. 
And God wants you to reason with faith. God wants you to reason things out of the Word of God. God wants you to meditate in the Word of God so that you can understand Him and also so that you can know Him. And the part of the proof we see today that men do not know God and that this generation does not know God is because they don't believe the Word of God. And that's just part of the proof. They act like they believe the Word of God. When you pin them down about doctrine, they don't believe doctrine. They don't believe the things of God. They don't believe holiness. They don't believe in practical separation as well as purposeful separation. They don't believe in ecclesiastical separation. And occasionally you'll meet some, they'll find a level of separation that suits them. But for the most part, it's just what their daddy said, what their mommy said. They've never conformed it in their own life. They've never had a reasonable thought about it. They've never wrestled these things out with God. A young man recently spoke to me on a certain subject, and I told him, I said, well, take that to the Lord then. You just take that as a matter of prayer and let God reveal that to you. And I gave him some scriptures to look at. Let God prove that. Let God prove himself. And yet they're not willing to do that. Yet they're skeptical of the preachers, skeptical of the man of God, skeptical of Jesus Christ, skeptical of the words of God. But they won't reason it out with God. They won't take the word of God and, and weigh it against itself. They won't take line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. They won't do that. Why? Because they have their own ways. And therefore, they're trying to get others to fall into the error of their ways. They're trying to get others to, to go into their path. They take advantage of people's calamity and try to steer them. And by the way, these are many times these silly women laden with lust. They are turned away from the truth, turned unto godlessness. They're turned unto godlessness without faith. And he said they're silly women laden with lust. And I don't know what exactly those lusts are, but God knows what those lusts are. But it's lust of men, lust of power, lust of ideals, lust to be seen, lust to be heard. And every natural woman has that act actively and instinctively in their very being. They will not submit themselves to the things of God. They will not submit themselves to a man. They will not let a man rule over them. That's why God's judgment, and we see that in the book of Jeremiah, God's, one of God's judgments was that a woman would rule over them. Why? Because they themselves weren't men. Uh, they were little henpecked little chickens that walked around and let women rule over them because they didn't have enough relationship with God to take a stand. And it's a calamity. It's a, it's a damnation upon a country. When the women rule upon a family, when the woman rules because the man can't be a man, he sits in his dungeon playing video games and sits in his dungeon and he doesn't rule his home and he's distracted by everything under the sun. Not any of those things necessarily are wrong in itself. But it's the fact that he doesn't rule his family because of them. He spends his life, wastes his life away digitally, wastes his life away in perversion, wastes his life. And all these things don't amount to anything yet without faith. And God is looking for a man that has faith. And when the Son of Man come, will he find faith upon the earth? He goes on in verse 14, terrors are turned upon me. They pursue my soul as the wind. And again, that's why I believe this is Jesus Christ. I believe this is doctrinal. I believe this is those that have come upon him. He speaks of the terror. He speaks of the horror. He speaks of the judgment uh, of Psalms. And we see that as Jesus Christ is offered for sin. He said, they pursue my soul as the wind and my welfare passeth away as a cloud. And then verse 16, again, he gets a little bit stronger in that doctrine when he says, and now my soul is poured out upon me. The days of affliction have taken hold upon me. And I'm going to give a little bit of rest as far as the, the modern look at this. And let's go back into the doctrine of it because here he gets, he gets pretty strong doctrine with this. But he said, his soul is poured out in me. What? That's when his gall is poured out upon the ground. Uh, that's when that gall sack above the liver is taken. And when his soul is distressed, his gall is poured out. That's also why he poured out his soul unto death, according to Isaiah 53, verse 12. 
because we see that pouring out as an act. We see that pouring out as part of the sacrifice, part of the offering of his soul, part of that sin offering, part of that burnt offering. His soul is made an offering for sin. It's burnt on in the fire. And again, line upon line, and we see this in Scripture. And then he says, the days of affliction have taken hold upon me. You see, the Jesus Christ's soul was in torment before he was offered for sin. In the garden, it was his soul that was troubled. It was there that he needed strength. He needed guidance. Even going to Calvary, his soul was troubled within him. Why? It's going to be offered for sin. And then God made him sin for us. And God made him to be sin for us that knew no sin. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And now the sinless son of God bear our sins in his body. His soul was damned. His soul was sin. He, all of a sudden, something he's never known. What terror, what horror, what awfulness to come upon him. In verse 17, my bones are pierced in me in the night season and my sinews take no rest. Now, I've looked at this many times, but why are his sinews taking no rest? And really, the night season, and I can't run this through the Bible emphatically in every place, but that night season is not necessarily in the night hours. It's what we look at. It's that night season. Why is it a night season? Because it's three hours on Calvary, and God has put darkness upon the face of the earth. And under that darkness, God has judged his son. He's made him to be sin for us. And it's there, he said, his bones are pierced in the night season. And my sinews take no rest. How is bones pierced? They're pierced with nails. He's driven to the cross. He's hammered onto the cross. His nails have pierced his hands and his feet. And why are his sinews taking no rest? Because he's hanging on a cross. He's been lifted up and his body is hanging by those nails on the cross of Calvary. And his sinews take no rest. It's stretched within him. Every breath he takes, he's, he's pulling himself trying to catch his breath. Why? Because his sinews are stretched. So again, we see Christ. We see the not just the picture. We see the literal prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. We see Job speaking as a prophet of God. We see Job speaking by the Spirit of Christ in the first person, and he's prophesying of the Son of God. I, me, my, and then in verse 18, by the great force of my disease, as my garment changed, it bindeth about me as the collar of my coat. He hath cast me into the mire. I am become like dust and ashes. And so again, we see the picture of Jesus Christ. We see the prophecy of Jesus Christ. We have understanding that Job, that great prophet of God, is speaking of that one. And why is he in the mire? Because God had to lift him out of the mire, put his feet on a solid rock again. What is the mire? It's in the pit. Why is it mire? Because it's mucky. It's awful. It's horrible. There's ashes. There's burning. All of those things are in the pit. We see that in Scripture. And so he says, he brought me out of an horrible pit where it is no water. Why did he do that? Because he delivered his soul, delivered by his own righteousness, by the cleanness of his hands. And that's what the word of God tells us concerning Jesus Christ. Why? Because he delighted in me. And so again, Job is prophesying of that one which is to come. He's prophesying of Jesus Christ, who's going to be made an offering for us. And can I say to you, my friend, every awful thing, every vile thought, every vile affection, every lustful deed was laid upon Jesus Christ. I told them in the church yesterday, I said, one of the things that I think is missed sometimes in Scripture, why his visage was more marred than any man. Yes, it was the beatings. Yes, it was the striking. Yes, it was ripping the hair from off his face. It was all of those things. But even more so, I believe, what you're looking at here is you're looking at Jesus Christ who is bearing the wrinkles are in him, according to Job 16. Why are there wrinkles in him? Because he's bearing all of our diseases. He has all of, his, all of our sicknesses. 
All, everything that we, you and I could possibly go through in our bodies, in our flesh, whether it be sin, whether it be disease and sicknesses, the awfulness of you and I was laid on Jesus Christ. He made it to be sin for us. And therefore, there's wrinkles came up in his flesh. There was leanness in him. His visage was marred more than any man. This is the offering of the Son of God. And Job spake of it because Job is a great prophet of God. Tomorrow, we'll finish out this chapter with the Lord's help. Thank you so much for listening. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord, as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption all at night. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.